Romans chapter 14. I'm going to start this off with one verse, and we're going to kind of look at a phrase that we see several times in the Bible that I thought of a lot this week uh, as I was kind of preparing some of the financial reports and things uh, for our business meeting tonight. But uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 12 says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. And that verse popped into my head several times because as I was kind of putting some things together, you know, I was just thinking about how important it is that you know we're able to account for things. That we're able to, uh, you know, show. I think it's important as a church, you know, that when people are giving of their tithes and offerings, I think it's important that we're able to account for what we're doing with it. Okay. Now, I don't think you ought to be like you know. There's some people. I heard a preacher say it this one time. You know, not only do you see your money as your money instead of God's money. But you even see your money. I forgot how I put it. He, was, he's, he would have put it way better than I'm going to. But he's like, that money's still yours even after it goes in the offering plate. You know, you got to know every little thing that happens with that money. And if you don't like it, you know, you throw a big fit. And you know, he was, and it's like it's still your money even after you put it in the offering plate. And I don't think you ought to be like that. But at the same time, I do think it's important that we that we are accountable, that we're able to account for things. That if there's a question, we're able to show, hey, this is what's happened. I, I, don't, I don't think it's uh, out of line. I think it's in line to do that kind of thing. And I got to thinking about several passages in the Bible where it talks about giving an account. And how it's how God, one of these days we're going to stand and we're going to give an account to God. One of these days we're going to stand before God and He's going to want us to account for what we have done with our life and what He's given us. Everything that we have belongs to God. That's clear throughout the Scriptures. Everything that we have, it's something that God allows us to use for His glory. Some of the things that we have, you know, we can call them ours, but the truth is it comes from God and we ought to use those things, whatever it is, in a way that glorifies God. And you know, if, if today you were to stand before God, or even if today, what if you know, just today I said, alright, you know what? We want you to give an account to us. Okay? Now, we wouldn't do this to you, but if, if we did, if we had you stand up and say, all right, you know, what did you do? How did you handle your money this week? What did you do with your time this week? Well, you know, would you be embarrassed if you got up this week, just in this group right here, and you gave a rundown of everything you did this week? You know, how much time was spent sleeping? How much time was spent watching TV? You know, how much time was spent gossiping? You know, how much time was spent... You know, if you gave a rundown of that, how would, how would you feel about that? How would it make you look? Would you look lazy? You know, would you look like, a, you know, like an idle person? I mean, you know, what would we think about you? And the truth is, it doesn't really matter what we think, but we are going to give an account to God with what we've done in our life. And there are some things that we see in the Bible... Where we're told, we're told to give an account. We're told to pay attention to these things. Go to Ephesians chapter five and verse fifteen. And really, I don't want to preach long tonight. I want to. I want to try to preach short tonight. I'm going to try. I said try. I didn't say I will. I'm going to try to preach short tonight. But I want to just give you some things to think about. I want you, you know, think about them right now in the service. But I want you to think about these things even this week. I mean, it probably wouldn't be a bad idea for us to take some of these things in just one week. You know write all these things down 
I mean, and literally do them. I think it would be very eye-opening for all of us if we did this. But Ephesians 5.15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. What is it that we're doing with our time? If I was asked, you know, give an account of your time. What did you do with your time this week? Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom towards them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We, you know, what if we were to have to answer for our time? We do this at work. Okay? Most of you, if you, the job that you work, you know, there's probably ways you give an account of your time. Maybe you got a production sheet that you have to fill out. You know, where I work, uh, everything it's it's all kind of automated. I mean, they know what I'm doing pretty much every minute of the day. They and you know that kind of makes it easy to give an account because it's all electronic like that. But you know what what would happen? What would be your answer if you gave an account for your time? You know, what did you accomplish this week? You know, what did you you know, what does your typical daily, weekly schedule look like? You know, what if you did? I don't think it would be a bad thing. Just, all right, you know, this week, I'm going to log everything I do. How much time am I wasting? Because what is it we hear people say all the time? I don't have time. Hey, did you read your Bible this week? Well, I got too busy. I didn't have time. You know, I mean, we, we don't think we have time for anything. But if we were to actually give an account of our time... I don't know that we would be saying that. I really don't. And you know how easy it is to just waste hours watching TV without even realizing it? Or playing a video game or whatever it is that you like doing. I mean, it takes, it takes a lot of time. And listen, it's not always bad to relax. There's nothing, I think we ought to relax. We see in the Bible, you know, God told us, you know, we, uh, there's that principle of resting. Okay, we ought to rest. You ought to take a day off. I think it's okay to, you know, once a week, just be lazy. I, I think that's a good thing to do, but not seven days a week. You know, one day a week, okay. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Seventh day, that God says, a day of rest, and we ought to we ought to rest. But you know, what what does our weekly schedule look like? You know, it's amazing how many people don't have time for church. Uh, I'm too busy for church. I can't I can't make it to church. You know, I, I've got I've got too much going on. Well, do you have too much going on? Let's see your time sheet of the week. Let do a log. You know, people do it on the job. You don't have to show it to me, but do it for yourself. What am I doing with my time? If your life ended today, what would you have accomplished to make the world better? Don't we all want to make the world better? Oh yeah, but right now I got to focus on this. Well, are you sure you're going to have time? We waste, you know, a lot of times we do, we just, we let things pass by. We let years go by without getting certain things done. You know, what things are you currently in your everyday life working towards to help make the world a better place? You know, don't, we can't be putting these things off. No, in the future I'll do these things. No, right now, what are you currently doing in your life to make the world a better place? And I just don't have time for anything. Well, I think if you gave an account, if you literally did do that, make a schedule, I think you might find out you have more time than you think. I think we would be pretty, some of us would be pretty embarrassed. There's been days I've been embarrassed by what I've done. I don't know, it's just, you know, I get to the end of the day and I'm like, you know what, I didn't accomplish very much today. And I'm like, why didn't I get this done? Why didn't I get that done? Yeah, because I got distracted doing this, I got distracted doing that. And the truth is, 
in our everyday life, it's not like at work. You don't have a boss hovering over you, you know, wanting, you know, keeping track of everything you do. But at the same time, we are accountable to God for what we do with our time. And just because He's not, you know, literally physically hovering over us and, you know, yelling at us and throwing lightning bolts at us, you know, we think we're okay. We think we're getting away with things. But what are you doing with your time? And you ought to, we ought to be able to give an account of that. If we were to stand before God today, you know, Lord, this is what I'm doing with my time. And said, so obviously, uh, there's a, it's okay to sleep. You have to sleep. It's okay, you know, when you're at work, that's fine. When you're you're doing the Lord's work, when you're at work, if you're providing for your family, you know that that's your job. That's what you're supposed to do. But there's a lot of other time too. And what are you doing with it? But look at Matthew chapter twelve thirty four. This is another one too. Something that I don't know we always think about, but something that we are going to give an account that we need to be able to give an account of. Matthew twelve thirty four says, "O generation of vipers, how can ye be in evil speak of good things?" For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Okay, the things that come out of our mouth are the things that are in our heart. Always remember that. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you, this I don't like this verse. It's scary. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words... Thou shalt be justified, and by thy, thy words thou shalt be condemned. Boy, our words are important. I mean, I don't even think we realize how important our words are. Your words can get you in trouble. Amen, husbands? Alright, you know, your words can, I mean, really hurt you bad at work. And especially today, we live in such a sensitive, you know, day and age. I was telling my wife about this. I heard this on the radio. This week, a school got canceled because of snow or something like that. And some kid in the school tweeted something about school being canceled and he misspelled a word. And the teacher kind of tweeted to the kid, correcting his spelling. She got fired from her job for that. Because, I mean, that's, that's embarrassing. You know, that, well, you know what's embarrassing? You tweeting stuff and everybody's seeing how bad you spell. Alright, you know, that should be embarrassing. Not that you got corrected by your teacher. And isn't that what a teacher's supposed to do? You know, that ought to drive a school teacher crazy. I'm glad there's still a school teacher out there that cares if their students know how to spell or not. Seems like most of them don't care. This one did, she got fired. You know, you're not allowed to ever say anything that makes anybody feel bad, hurt anybody's feelings. You know, and it's amazing the things people get in trouble for today. You know, things that people, you know, just certain words will get them fired. You know, you can use every bit of profanity. You can blaspheme all you want in the workplace, but you do a racial slur or a homophobic word, and man, you'll lose your job so fast it'll make your head swim. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous. We have elevated man so far above God, it's not even funny, where they can blaspheme God, nobody cares, say something that could make a group feel bad, hit your history, you're gone. That's absolutely ridiculous. But we do see that words get you in trouble. We see even in court, you know, and with legal things, your words can really get you in a lot of trouble. That's why they say you have the right to remain silent. And why you do need to remain silent sometimes. Because those people, they know how to question you. They know how to twist you and get you to say things wrong. And, you know, you say, you just get some of your facts wrong, man. They will make a huge deal about that in court. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about here when he says, you know, by thy words thou shalt be justified or condemned. Your words can, you know, get you thrown into jail, they can get you out. 
But you better be careful with those words. And I tell you, it's something that we all ought to think about. I try to be careful with that. You know, I I try to think about that. You know, that's one of the reasons I kind of like the fact that we record our messages and put them online. It helps me think before I speak a little bit more. To know that, uh, you know, there's a lot. Of, not only are there a lot of witnesses, but they, even though there's a lot of witnesses, you can still say, you know, oh, that's not what I meant. That's not really what I said. But when it's recorded, there's proof. And you know, it helps keep me from just getting completely out of line. Because sometimes preachers do, man. They just they can get carried away and say things they probably shouldn't say. Say things they're, they're going to regret. And your words can get you in trouble. And Jesus said, we're going to give an account of every idle word. We're going to be justified by those words. What people, our testimony many times will be determined by the words that we use. Just go ahead one time at work and lose it. Start throwing out a bunch of profanity. And people, they're not going to trust you anymore. They're not going to, you know, you're going to ruin your testimony with your words. You're going to lose your effectiveness as a witness to those people because of your words. Give it a count. What kind of words? You know, how have you used your words? Do you encourage people with your words? You know, are you at one of your jobs as a member of a church is to exhort the brethren? That is, that's one of your jobs. Have you been doing that? Are you encouraging people? Are you cutting people down? Are you criticizing them? Are you gossiping? You know, what words have you used? Are you using profanity? Well, what makes a bad word a bad word? Well, I understand society kind of is what determines what a bad word is and what's offensive, what's not offensive and all that. But I mean, do we really need to use some words in certain ways just because they're in the Bible? Okay, Listen, I, I'm going to read every word in the Bible just like it's in the Bible, but I'm not just going to use that word however I want to. You know, it's pretty sad. You know, we, the people use the word hell so much today that it's kind of lost its effectiveness when we talk about somebody dying and going to hell. I mean, that, that word ought to strike fear in people's hearts. It ought to sober people up a little bit. But you know what? We're desensitized to it because we hear it used in all these lighthearted ways. Even God, the name of God, there ought to be some reverence with that name. I mean, that ought to get our attention. It ought to, it ought to kind of cause us to, I don't know, straighten up, pay attention. But people use it so much that it has no effect anymore. Just because a word's in a Bible doesn't mean you ought to just use it however you want to use it. There are some words in the Bible that are gross. We don't need to just go around using those words because they're there. And we ought to think about those. Are those words really necessary? Do you need to say that? Is that going to help your testimony? Is it going to encourage anybody? Are you going to be helping anybody but yourself? And honestly, cussing somebody out does anybody, has anybody ever, after you got cussed out, felt like, you know what, I feel like I'm a better person now because you did that to me? Does it help anybody? No, it only helps the person doing it. It helps them just feel like, okay, I got that off my chest. You know, and as a Christian, you might feel that way for a few seconds, but hopefully the Holy Spirit's convicting you later. So it's not even going to help you. It might help a lost person a little bit. Not going to help you at all. What words have you used? You know, who have you helped or who have you hurt with your words? We all know the dangers of the tongue and the power of the tongue. You know, have you given anyone the gospel? Think about all we talk and we talk and we talk and we talk. And I've been accused of talking, being a talker and talking an awful lot. I think that's just, I always use the excuse, 
God made me that way because He knew I was going to be a pastor and pastors need to be able to talk. And so, yeah, I talk and talk and talk sometimes. But at the same time, you know, are we giving people the Gospel? Isn't that one of our main jobs? Telling people about Christ. You know, what could be determined about you by the words that you've used? Okay, think about it. Just like, you know, we can, we can often tell what part of the country someone's from by their words, can't we? Have you ever? I can spot Alabama people all the time. Alabama people, oh, they've got they've got a specific tone to their twang, I guess you could say. And I've talked to people before, never met. They'll start talking to me. I'm like, you from Alabama? Yep. You know, West Virginia too. West Virginia's got a there's a distinct West Virginia twang that I've I've noticed before from people that I've known from there. We had a lady visit the church here the other day that was from West Virginia, and boy, she reminded me of. Some other people I know from West Virginia, just the way she talked. And the thing is, what kind of vibe do we give off? All right, now I know, because like like me, I lie to people all the time and act like I'm a southerner and talk about a southerner and all that. But every time I do that, sometimes I do it just in front of my wife to aggravate her because I know it drives her nuts. But then people will be like, "You don't sound like you're from the South." And truth is, I give myself away real fast, don't I? And because I am a southerner at heart. But y'all Yankees have corrupted me and made me you know, sound like you guys. And uh, I, I don't like that at all. But I, I need to spend more time down south and uh, get back to my roots. <laughs> but I don't even have any roots down south. But anyway, I, I wish. But anyway, we can. We can tell those things. And does your language, you know, what about your words, your speech, does it say that you're a Christian? We see Peter, you know, his Galilean speech... You know, kind of gave him away. The fact that he was from Galilee, that was one of the reasons they, the young lady knew that he was one of Jesus' disciples. But he got her off his back by swearing, didn't he? He began to curse. And all of a sudden, oh, she left him alone after that. Because a follower of Christ wouldn't do that. We see that story in the Bible about the man that they found and they told him to say Shibboleth or something. He said Sibboleth. He couldn't pronounce it. Why? Because of where he was from. You know, there are some things that we just should not be able to say. So I can't do that. I, I just that word literally cannot come out of my mouth. And I, I've had people before. I had a supervisor one time. I was explaining a situation and a discussion, and it was clear I was leaving out all the cuss words. And he was just like, "Are you like some kind of?" He said, are you religious or something? You can't say those words. And I was like, yeah, I guess you could say that. I mean, that it gave it away. And, and I, I just can't say those things. I can't do it. And that's how it ought to be for us. Just like people from certain parts of the country, they just can't say words a certain way. You know, it ought to be the same thing for us. And some of the things that we say ought to, you know, just make it obvious. You know, some of our... Uh, you know, like you know, the southern people, I was like, you know, I'm fixing to do this, fixing to do that. They're always talking about fixing to do things. And I tried using that word, but it just doesn't sound good with my dialect. And, it, and, and nobody falls for it or anything like that. But, you know, even religious terms, I just I do that sometimes. I did that at work one day without even thinking about it. They announced that they were going to do some kind of cookout. I forgot what the food was, but it was one that got me excited. And I just kind of let out a well, amen. And, you know, you know, just, it kind of got some funny looks. You know, you all would get that. You know, we all get that when somebody starts talking about food. You know, just like, hey, man, 
you know, so, especially down south, they do a lot of that stuff. But, you know, us southerners. But anyway, you know, those, those things, they ought to come out sometimes. You know, they ought to even slip out, maybe. You know, somebody, you're, you're, somebody tells you about something good that happened. Well, praise the Lord. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, you all don't do that here, do you? But, but that's what we do. You know, do those things ever slip out? You know, it ought to. It ought to be a part of us. Our words are so important. And uh, so we can, we can get ourselves in a lot of trouble. We can make a difference with our words. It's, I mean, as powerful as our tongue is to do damage, we can also use that power to build and to edify and exhort one another. So, you know, you're, we're going to give an account of every idle word. That ought to scare us a little bit. Start and start taking an account. What am I saying? You know, give an account. Are you ready to give an account of your possessions? Luke chapter 16, verse 1, and he said also to his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same was accused unto him that he wasted his goods. Hey, a steward, somebody who takes care of something that belongs to somebody else. And he's been accused that he's wasted his goods, and he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest no longer be steward. A steward that wastes something that is not his cannot continue being a steward. And he tells him, I want you to give an account. How would you feel if you went to the bank? A bank is a steward of your money. And if you went to that bank, like, sorry, your money's all gone. Oh, I'm looking at my checkbook here. I'm looking at my records. I should have this much in here. I didn't spend it. What happened to it? Well, it just so happens we did. We spent it for you. Or we lost it. Whatever. You going to keep working with that bank? I don't think so. I had a bank one time that somehow took $500 out of my savings account and put it in some other lady's savings account. I looked at my statement and it was off by $500. And I went and I asked them, what is going and they put in some, oh yeah, we don't know what happened to some kind of error. I'm like, what? How do, you, how do you do that? And now at the time, it was the same bank that my dad was at too. And they used to always put my money in his account too. I go deposit a check. I'd like leave it in the Dropbox or something. And they would, it would always accidentally go into his account. Never one time did they accidentally put his in my account. Not one time. So you know what I did? I switched banks. Y'all are crummy stewards. Of, of my money. One time, I did write a check for almost $200 that got cashed and never came out of my bank account when I was there. It never, ever came out. I called the people, did you all ever cash that check? Yeah. Did you get your money? Yeah. It never came out of my account. Now, that was nice. That did, one time, it did work to my advantage. But uh, you know, they, they weren't a very good bank. Poor stewards. And what are you doing? Everything you have belongs to God. Are you ready to give an account of it? You know, where what do you spend most of your money on? So maybe, you know, everybody, I can't afford to tithe, I can't afford to give, I can't afford to share, I can't afford to, you know, give the missions. I can't afford to do anything. I can't afford to do any of these things God's told me to do. Why? Is it because God tells you to do things that are impossible for you to do? Is it because God has asked too much of you? Or is it because you're a bad steward? Is it because you're, you know, you've wasted what he's given you? I'm telling you, most people today do not, they can't give an account of their finances. They don't operate on a budget. They can't. And I'm telling you, when the first time we sat down and made a real budget, it was, it was kind of embarrassing. Yet we realized, man, you know, 
our priorities aren't real good with our money. We've not been real responsible. We're not spending this real well. And it was it was very eye opening. It was it was it was hard to accept. It was hard to deal with. And we had to make a budget and figure it out. And we had several fights and you know and all that stuff that goes with it. I always tell people if you're ever going to make a budget and you should make a budget, be prepared for a knockdown drag out because. Not only, I mean, everybody I've ever talked to that's decided, you know, I'm going to get my finances in order, and they start doing that, there's always a big knockdown drag out because you get the whole, do you really need to be spending money on this? And then they get sensitive and, you know, yes, I have to spend money on that. You, you really, you know, that much money a week on makeup? Oh, really? You know, do you want me looking like, you know, the Crypt Keeper or something? I, you, know, you know how that goes, and then, you know, and then, they, then they get on the guy. Because, see, you know, guys... We whine and we complain about all the little five and ten dollar items our wives buy that are unnecessary, but then we buy all the real expensive things that are unnecessary. I mean, really, how many guns do we need? You can't shoot more than two at a time, you know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I really, how how many do we really need? You know, how many? You know, we we buy the more expensive cars that are necessary. You know, so they do. They make all the bad five, ten, maybe fifty dollar decisions. We make the you know, bad $1,000, $5,000 decisions. And so, um, as much as I'm always for blaming the women. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, it does equal out. So, we, yeah, we made one mistake, but you made 500 Yeah, but yours cost, <laughs> you, know, you know, yours cost 5000 You know, mine only cost five. You know, it's five, you know, well, let's figure that, you know, just whatever. You know, said it's... Uh, you know how that goes. But you do. You need to be able to give an account. What am I doing with my money? How much am I spending? You know, maybe we can't afford to eat out at fancy restaurants every day. Maybe we need to cook at home. And then we could afford to do some of these things. You know, maybe we need to drink water instead of soda. You know, or coffee. Right? I didn't hear any amens there. <laughs> Whatever it is that you like, all right. We're not even going to talk about Monster Energy drinks or anything like that because that's just of the Lord. But you, we, you know, I'm serious. You know, we sometimes you got to give an account. I'm all, you know, you know what? I'm all for you having those pleasure items as long as you're fulfilling your responsibilities, as long as you're doing the things you're supposed to do and not making excuses. You know, who do you owe money to? Think about those things. If you were to give an account right now, how many people are out to get you right now? You know, how many people are hunting for you and looking for you? How many people have you, you know, grieved and made angry? How many people would be furious if they showed up and visited church and saw you putting money in the offering plate when you owe them money too? Do you think that's going to be a good testimony? Do you think they're going to be impressed with your Christianity if they see you drop $50 in the offering plate and you owe them $50? Well, now I know where that money's at that he's not paying me. Giving it to the church instead of me. Oh, well, God's more important than you are. Well, not to them. Okay? And yeah, God is more important, but you know what? God wants you to, you know, pay your bills too. God's commanded you to do that too. And so, is it really a matter of paying God or paying my neighbor? Or is it a matter of paying God and paying my neighbor and not buying the new video game I wanted? You know what? What I mean, really, it's all. You know, we always say it's this or that, but there's a lot of ways sometimes. If we would, but if we would give an account of our stewardship, we might be able to find out how to do some of these things. You know, how much? You know, how much have you given without expecting anything in return? 
So are, are you one of those that, you know, yeah, you put your money in the offering plate, but it is, it's yours for the rest of your life. Well, Pastor, I don't like how the church is spending money. Remember that $50 I gave five years ago? I feel financially invested in this place and I think I ought to have a say. You know, that's not a good attitude. People that you've helped, I know people in churches, they've helped somebody financially. Maybe somebody's going through a hard time. And so they do. They help them out. Maybe they give them a couple hundred bucks or something. Well, and then that family, maybe six months down the road, they have the audacity to go on vacation or something. There they're going on vacation with that $200 I gave them. And listen, you know, I can see why you might, but did, did you give that without expecting anything in return? You know, if you're going to have strings attached to your gifts, you know, you need to tell people that. Say, listen, I'm going to give you this $200, but understand I owe you for the next two years. If I see you all doing anything fun for the next two years, I'm going to ask for that money back. Okay? And so if that's me, I'm going to say, keep your $200. All right, I'm not going to let you own me for the next two years. Now, if you want to just give as a gift without expecting anything in return, I'll take it right now. But you know, but that that's the attitude we ought to have when we give. We're not going to give so we can control. People come into churches all the time and do that kind of thing. They come around, they'll talk about how much money they have and how much they give. We had a, I had a guy who called me up one time, wanting to come visit the church. Just so you know, Pastor, I tithe. Woohoo, you know. As soon as he said that, I said, you know what? Who cares about you? <laughs> I'm thinking, you are a ding dong. I mean, he, this guy, man, this guy bragged on his tithe, and, you know, it, this guy doesn't even hardly make any money anyway. So it was like, it wasn't even anything impressive. But boy, he, he was impressed with it. He was proud of it. And I guarantee you, if he would have kept coming. He would have reminded me about how he ties every time he didn't like something that was going on. Every time he didn't like, you know, some of the things that we spent the money on. You know, I tied you. You go jump in a lake. I don't like people like that. But and thankfully, uh, they did. They did not stay around here, and I didn't really encourage them to. But you know, you know, how how is your giving? You know, what have what have you shared with others? You know, are you willing to share? Your material things, the things you have. I mean, I, I, th- I think we ought to do that. It's it's very clear in the Bible. There's no sin in having things. There's no sin in enjoying things, or possessing things, or even trying to possess things. There is nothing wrong with that. You, uh, if you're fulfilling your responsibilities and the Lord has blessed you, and you can go out and buy a yacht, go out and buy a yacht. And go out on the river and have a time. Just don't do it on Sunday. Right? You know, just go out. You know, go out and enjoy it. We see in the Bible they had many feast days, didn't they? And you know what they did on feast days? They feasted. They enjoyed the fruit of their labor. They went and they just had a good old time eating. And you see many times in the Old Testament where it talks about you know eat until you're full. Go ahead, fill yourselves up. Enjoy yourselves. You have worked and you have sown and now you are reaping and enjoy it. There is nothing wrong with that. People, there are some people, they save, they work for years and then they retire and they go and they spend years on vacation. Yeah, I'm jealous, but you know what? There's nothing in the world wrong with that. I think that's wonderful. If you accomplish that and you're able to do that, 
You go right ahead. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that as long as you're doing all your other things too. You know, get give an account. What have you done? And so, you know, we're we are told to avoid the temptations that come with trying to be rich. You know, the Bible says they that will be rich fall into a, a snare and into many foolish and uh, hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. I might have NIV'd that a little bit. But uh, you all get the basic gist of that. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil. It can get you in trouble if you're not careful, but that's why we give an account. That's why when it comes to our pursuit of things, you know, we stop and say, okay, let me evaluate. How much of my time is going towards pursuing things? Am I able to, do I still have time to serve God while I'm pursuing these things? You know, am I giving like I'm supposed to? You know, am I spending the time with my family like I'm supposed to? And if you're doing all those things, you know, go for it. Nothing wrong with that at all, but we've got to be able to give an account. We hear all the time, you've got to have your priorities. You've got to get your priorities in line. Well, how do we know our priorities are in line? We've got to give an account. We've got to see, find out from the Bible, what does God expect of me? Am I doing these things? Am I fulfilling these things? And if you are, and you feel like you've got more time to pursue some of these other things, go for it. You know, if you decide, I want to be a great golfer, go ahead, play golf all you can, but, you know, don't quit your job so you can play golf. You know, make sure you keep providing for your family. You know, make sure, uh, you know, your wife's not getting aggravated because you're spending way too much time out there and not spending any time with her. You know, you got to evaluate all these things, give an account. What are you doing these things? You know, uh, we need to give an account of ourselves. Okay, this is important right here. Romans fourteen ten. We started out in Romans fourteen, but it says, "But why dost thou judge thy brother?" Okay, this is the context of where it says that every one of us shall give an account of himself. Why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, what? I don't need to worry about judging any of you in here because guess what? You all are going to stand before Christ. And He'll take care of you. If I don't like what you're doing, if i got a problem with it, if I feel like I'm carrying more of the load than other people, God knows that. And He will deal with you if you need it. And He'll reward me if I deserve it. But otherwise, it's not my problem. In verse 12 or 11, it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. And every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Okay. Many times we get so caught up into figuring out what's everybody else doing that we forget about what we're supposed to do. You know, we're all. How much is this person giving? How much time are they spending on these things? I'm doing more than them, so I'm okay. That's not how it works. We don't give an account of ourselves based on what everybody else is doing. It's based off what God wants. And then when it comes to everybody else, not our problem. I say this all the time. When I hear a crying kid in the store, it doesn't bother me because I get great peace in knowing that's not my kid and it's not my problem. I enjoy nothing more than being out in public and watching a kid just get completely out of control and misbehave. Why? Because it's been my kid before. And it stinks when it's my kid doing it. And when I know this is not my problem, I just have great peace. And I can just even enjoy it. You say, well, that's a bad attitude. Well, 
you all just get mad when that kind of thing happens. You get aggravated and annoyed. Not me. I find comfort and entertainment by that type of thing because it's not my problem. And you know what? I'm not going to ruin my meal sitting there getting all upset and get my blood pressure up because some kid's making a lot of noise. I'm going to enjoy it. And you know what? I'm not going to get my, let my life get all stressful and have a bad attitude because nobody else is doing what I think they ought to do. Nobody else is doing as much as I'm doing. You know what? Not my problem because guess what? Y'all are going to stand before God one of these days and you're going to be judged according to your works. I'm going to be judged according to my works. And so you know what? I've got enough to worry about with me. I'm not wasting my time worrying about everybody else. And that's the attitude that we ought to have. And that's what he's saying right here. And it's amazing how many miserable people there are in church going around gossiping to everybody about other people in the church, what they're doing, what they're not doing, because they know it's going to get back to them. And that's what they're cheap, cowardly way of trying to you know, light a fire under these people. And all they're doing is they're making themselves bitter and miserable worrying about things that are not their problem. And we should not get caught up in that. It is not our problem what other people are doing. And the only other people that really matter as far as you know, whether it's our problem or not is when it comes to those that God has put us in leadership over. Then it matters. Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Okay? So, right as a pastor, okay, I said that what you do is not my problem, but at the same time, what I teach you is my problem. Okay? I'm going to give an account for what I have taught and for what I have done with the position that God has placed me in. God has called me to be a pastor. He's called me to preach the Word. He's called me you know, to teach, to exhort, encourage, not to rule over you all with a rod of iron. Okay, We don't get to do that until Jesus comes back. Remember that from Revelation. And, but I don't get to do that right now. I get to teach. And I'm going to give an account for what I've taught. And when I stand before God... What determines whether or not I'm going to have joy or grief is how I have been with my preaching. If I've taught you all the truth, if I didn't hold anything back, if I told it like it was, not care, you know, not worrying, not being scared of your faces, not being worried about who's going to leave or who's going to get mad, just worrying about pleasing God, I'm going to be able to with joy stand before God and say, Lord, I, I told Him. I told them everything. I showed them from the Scripture, Lord. They didn't seem like they were getting it. And I studied and I studied and I made sure I was right. I gave them Scripture after Scripture. And Lord, I did what You told me to do. But if I'm like, you know what? I'm doing it with grief. Uh, you know, Lord, I'm sorry, but I was, I was more scared of them than I was of You. And yeah, I, I, I never did tell them about that. Well, guess who is the one who is not going to profit? You all are the one that miss out when I'm not telling the truth. And you all are the one that has something to gain when I do tell the truth, even if it makes you mad. It was still good for you to hear that. It's good for you to know, even if you don't like it, and it is unprofitable for you, if I hold back and don't tell the truth. And so, same thing, people that you lead in your life, people that, you know, you know your children, you know, the people that God has put in your life, you know, your, uh, your wife, you know what? Even with people that maybe you uh, you work with, when it comes to giving the gospel, okay, 
There are certain people God's placed in your life because you're, you're the one that needs to give the Gospel. Your neighbors, your family, your co-workers, your friends, they need to hear the Gospel from you. When you stand before God and you give an account, is it going to be with joy or with grief? If it's with grief, they didn't profit at all. You hurt them by not telling them the truth. And the truth is, I can't make my neighbors, I can't make my co-workers, my friends, my family get saved, but I can make sure I give the message. That's one thing I can do. I can tell them what God has told me to tell them, and then after that, you know, it's between them and God. You know, have you been completely honest? Have you done everything you can to warn others? Have you been a good example? And we we should never take the things that God has given us for granted. You know, it's very clear that whatever we have, we could lose it in a moment. There's no doubt about that. And if we want to have more, we need to make sure that we're using what we have in a way that's pleasing to God. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves being wasteful without even realizing. And when we understand this, it should cause us just every once in a while just give an account of ourselves so we can make sure we're always accountable. If I stood before God today, I'm ready to give an account. I know what I'm doing with my time. I know what I'm doing with my money, my possessions. I know what I'm doing with my talents. I know what I'm doing with the things that God has given me. I am using them for His glory. I am handling things in a way that would be pleasing to Him. I'm doing what He wants and I'm ready to give an account right now. Most of us, we would die of a heart attack if the IRS showed up. We're going to audit you. Give an account of your of your money. <laughs> what, what do I do? But you know, there's these nerds out there that you know keep track of everything, do everything by the book, and you know, I mean, they know every little detail. You know, they're ready to go. I think I do everything right, but I'm just I'm, there's so many laws. I'm just scared. <laughs> you know, I, I haven't studied up on these things. And truth is. A lot of people they, they don't they're just they've not studied the word of God they don't know what God expects and they're not ready and we ought to be ready give an account we're all going to give an account of ourselves one of these days and so right now this is our chance to get our our books in order this is our chance to evaluate everything ourselves and that way when we stand before God we'll be ready to go so with that let's all stand together.